another podcast from Firetop Mountain. A fighting fantasy podcast brought to you by Stuart Lloyd and Alison Sides. And welcome to the podcast of Firetop Mountain. I'm Stuart Lloyd, and I'm here with the wonderful. Uh, well, I don't know about wonderful, but um, Alison Cyber's here as well. Hello, yes. Oh, you are wonderful. Hello, you are wonderful. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, we. Uh, uh, if you if you say so. Oh God. Um, not not according to this adventure because I did terribly on today's game book. Oh, uh, that's that's because I chose it and I knew what to do and. You probably didn't because it's my favourite game. Well, it's not my favourite. It's one of my favourite game books. So, yes, yes. Um, we should, I think we should. Oh, shall I tell people which game book I chose for this week? That would probably help. Yes, people. We yes. we would. We do want to actually tell you which game book we uh, we've been playing. Honest. Yes. <laughs> it yes. is the Crimson Tide. Dun dun dun. Oh, yes, forty seventh in the original series, mm. and by Paul Mason. Who um, and and this book revisits one of uh, the place where Paul Mason wrote a previous book. It's the uh, the Isle of the Isles of the Dawn, yes. where Black Vein Prophecy happened. Now, so, yes. Black Vein Prophecy was one of my favourite ones. Ooh. Yes. But I have very very little memory about uh, Crimson Tide. Um, I think because when you initially picked it, I thought, oh, that's the one where you go under the sea. Oh yes, that is um, Demons of the Deep. Demons I can of the see. Deep. Yes. Yes, I can see why it's got the word tide in the you know in the name, and tides are normally associated with the sea. But it's um, utterly unrelated to that at all. Yeah. Yes. And yes, uh, you get to see the sea at one point, but it's not crimson. Mm. It's normal coloured, like the sea. So, and the uh, the cover does have. Um, I think are they are they shark people? Um. I, th I think one of them is. I thought they were both. I think the other one. I think someone's described the other one as a mole. It might be a mole. A mole. I can't um, tell. I'm. I'm not no. sure. I'm. I'm looking at it right now. And um, uh, if you are, if you are listening um, along, leave a comment saying um, on the uh, on the cover, are the other guards in big golden golden br or brass armor? Are they in brass armor? Are they in golden armor? Are they sharks or are they moles? Uh, yes, they've both got bat wings as well, and one of their hands oh is a crab yes, claw. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and there's a and there's a guy who looks like he's having a great time uh, sitting on a throne with a bull and a, and a, a, a horse. I mean, there's yeah. two other animals behind the the man as well, so maybe the, our listeners can try and tell us what they are as I well. I mean, he must be having a great time because he's got a big statue of a happy smiley face right behind him. Ex exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's great. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, I mean, I mean, there's, there, there is. I mean, the, the cover is perfect. So, well, yeah. I mean, it, it's very evocative. And I, I, well, I just feel like I should point out one tiny thing about the cover, which is kind of a minor spoiler, um, if, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, this spoiler cover, away. spoiler away. This cover has absolutely nothing to do with what happens in the book. Absolutely it's nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing at all. Um, yes, I um, I had uh, very very little in the way of like uh, like history with this one. I remember I rented it from a local library once when I was a kid, and I don't really remember much about it because like I would rent out a uh, a Finding Fancy book at least once every two weeks, and um, like just play through as many of them as I could. Um, and yeah, I, I think this one kind of got um, got lost in the influx of them. Yes, yes, I. Um, well, yeah, I suppose yes. There was that. Yes, I had a similar magical time when I 
I got I got a fighting a new fighting fantasy book sort of regularly when I was a kid. Um, I, I kind of remember talking to my school friend about it, who mm. was who was in in retrospect he was very patient and um, and uh, kind um, to listen to me. And yeah, so I, I yeah I got it as a kid. Um, you know, I, I won't... you've just reminded me. Like at one point, I had actually um, read through all the uh, all the Fighting Fantasy ones they had in my local library, and I had to convince my parents to take us to the next library over, which oh, was like God. a fifteen minute drive, just so I could like invade and like get all of the the books from that library as well. Oh, that is awesome. I mean, yes. I mean, yeah. My W. H. Smith sort of kept kept me going so that was okay and then i actually i yeah that if we, we could swap stories on what we did to do finding but i phoned up a local radio station one summer holiday and asked people if i could buy any fighting fantasy books from them and mm. i got um i got uh, master of chaos from that so I was, I was i was pretty i was pretty chuffed with that so yeah oh wait wait which one was master of chaos oh master of chaos i'm sorry it's the I think it's Master of Chaos. It's got uh, with the big crocodile type person on the front. I uh, I do remember Master of Chaos. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, um, ah. but never never mind never mind. Um, yes, to uh, to all our listeners, I'm not a big fan of Master of Chaos. Okay, fair um, yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll talk about it one day. Yes, yeah. maybe we can uh, we can cover it um, perhaps at some point on the series yeah. or maybe even next season. That's true. Oh yes, next season. Yes. And, oh, I, I uh, could ask our listeners something as well. I've thought of another thing. The listeners could put in the comments. Listeners, um, listeners, uh, could you? Uh, do you have any stories of the extreme lengths you went to get fighting fantasy books in your youth or in your adulthood, for mm. that matter? So, oh well, yeah. in uh, in your adulthood is uh, is going to be um, how much did you pay for books fifty plus? Yeah, oh yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, those uh, those ones are not uh, not the easiest to find, and oh my god, they set me back a pretty penny. Yes, they did. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. If you want to if you want to disclose that, then that's um, that'll be that'll be interesting to shall see. Shall we uh, shall we cover a couple of them in season two? Uh, yes. yes. Why not? Oh yes. Oh, that's going to be a treat. Um, but first, Crimson Tide. Yes. Yes, um, this is a good one. What should we start? Should we start with the background? The background. Uh, yes, start with the background, and then I can do uh, the new stat gimmicks. Oh yes, exactly. So the background is you are um, you live in the Isle of the Dawn, and you're you're a simple peasant who who sort of uh, who sort of harvests rice. But one day, um, some mercenaries come to your town and. Uh, the leader of the mercenaries, who is big and evil and has a mask that covers his face, uh, cuts down your father, kills your father, and then rides off with your mother to sell her into slavery. And and yes, and you and the remaining survivors of the village have to start off on a quest for revenge. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's very good. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean the the masked uh, villain looks very intimidating, and um, I I wish they do. I wish they'd do masked villains with big swords and, and armour more in, in stories and things. I don't think we've seen enough of them. Yeah, I'm looking at the masked villain um, at the moment. Uh, definitely has a Thulsa Doom vibe. Ah, uh, yes. Mm. Yes. So definitely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I realise we're nice... we of an age where we don't have to explain who Thulsa Doom is. I think most of our audience are going to be the same. Um, yeah. For those who are a little bit younger, that was the bad guy from the first original Conan the Barbarian film with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, exactly. Yes. I, I, uh, yeah, he gets very uh, shouty towards the end, but it doesn't save him. Mm. So, yes. Um, similarly, because your character is essentially on a on a quest for revenge he has um a stat which is quite um quite appropriate for that uh, ferocity uh which helps fuel you in combat uh yes yes it's sort of how much you you really want revenge mm. um and it's and it's kind of related to your stamina the bigger your stamina the bigger your ferocity um so yes and it can go up or down yeah um and it's well, well, we we can get to ferocity because, um, 
Yes, Paul Mason. Paul Mason has an in interesting philosophy with his books because all four of his books are kind of um, they're not your straightforward go into a dungeon and kill lots of people books. No. So there's a twist with Frosty. Maybe we can save that for later when I. Yes, because I um, I don't think I well I died before it became relevant. Okay. <laughs> Which is so common for me playing these games. Um, one um, I did say that there were two new stat gimmicks in this one, and the second one is um, is age, isn't it? It is, because yes, I I didn't I didn't mention your age at the beginning that your character's age, because you're actually a teenager when you start this adventure. Mm. Yeah, you're 13, um, which is which is a new one, and um, and that affects your skill and stamina, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think it has a knock-on effect with your frosty as well. Um, yes. But I'm I'm not too sure. I I kind of like this. I like the idea that um, that you uh, that, that you're on a almost a lifelong journey that um, kind of it, it, it's not a um, an adventure which is over and done in a couple of weeks you're on a you're on a, a quest which is going to take up most of your um, most of your life as a um, as a young person and straight into adulthood as well I really like that yes exactly yes it is brilliant it's sort of yes it's 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 uh, yes it's sort of a, a, a quest in the a sort of long quest and, and something that shapes your entire teenage years as well rather oh. than yes rather than just a, a bog standard sort of delve into a dungeon so yes it, it's it's very in-depth compared to most fighting fantasy books one thing i liked is um i believe it's set um fairly near to uh hatcherman which is the uh, the nation that you uh that you begin in from uh, from sword of the samurai it is and that pops up uh, towards the end of the book which mm. you may not have noticed so um yeah there's a bit of world building as well and, nice continuity and, yeah yeah and and also um it, the book starts as if um in black vein prophecy your character was successful so uh your character was uh, called mayor and um mayor was the sort of good son to the evil king before that and he defeated his evil brother and and now he's the king so Yes, there's there's a so there's Hachiman and there's Mayo. So there's two books that are sort of um, referenced in this book, mm -hmm. and 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 possibly another one because there's a character that may or may not be a, another character that pops up in Paul Mason's books as well, which we can get to. So. And uh, one of the uh, one of the nice things, even though um, the setting here is is it's very based on uh, on ancient China, um, it's uh, it. it kind of skews away from uh, from the European style of, uh, of fantasy that you get in a lot of the books um, kind of uh, diving into a different uh, different tone a different um, different culture as well and um, you know that's nice I like that I also yeah. like that it, um, it it does for the most part avoid the more um, kind of tropey elements of, uh, of how um, of how uh, like East, uh, like Far East Asian and uh, you know, for, for lack of a better term, quote unquote Orientalism is portrayed in you know fantasy at that time. It doesn't feel like it stumbles into any iffy territory. Uh, that that is correct. Yes, it's yeah. I never felt that playing it. Um, yeah, it, it kind of it kind of feels like. Paul Mason's done his research and and put in some um, some sort of mm. creatures that were from mythology, I think, and then um, and so it's, it's yes, it's it's just sort of like you are um, yes, and you don't and it doesn't fall into the whole oh yes, all the all the tropes that you might see in sort of martial arts films and other things. So, I'll uh, tell you who else did uh, did some real research on, and that's the uh, the illustrator as well. Okay. Because the uh, the architecture and the costumes that you see in a in a lot of the uh, the buildings and clothing, um, respectively, are um, are fairly accurate. Ah, oh, this is brilliant! Oh wow, oh. this 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 is Terry Oaks. Terry Oaks was the illustrator. Oh yeah. That's the Terry Oaks did a lot of good illustrate a lot of research then. So, well, this must be a very well um, researched book then. Um, possibly, possibly candidate for the best research fighting fantasy book. Possibly. possibly, yeah, possibly. 
So, um, you uh, you begin as a thirteen-year-old. Your family have been, um, well, your your father has been uh, been brutally cut down by the uh, rampaging warlord, um, and you set off on a on a quest to uh, to avenge him. Um, Stuart, would you like to begin? How did this quest start for you? It started okay because um, there's a very infamous beginning to this quest that you have to avoid and i managed to avoid it um, and what is that uh, what is that infamous start the, um the infamous start is well you're given two choices to either go down the road or go across the rice paddies mm-hmm. and if you go across the rice paddies you encounter a giant, giant mudworm which i got attacked by yes a skill 12 stamina <laughs> 6 giant <mudworm>. it's absolutely <laughs> brutal it is Oh, because oh yes, we haven't we haven't uh, said the exact start of the skill and stamina. Your skill is either one it's between one and six because you're a teenager. Yeah. So in, yeah, um, so that's the bit you avoid. So basically, the giant mudworm is impossible. Um, so uh, yes, so I. Hard. It is. I I actually, I remember something about on Titanica about this, and apparently, um. Someone was supposed to the editing and forgot that the stats were different. So they changed the skill six giant mudworm to a skill twelve giant mudworm. Mm. And um and uh, yeah, Paul Mason called him a dingbat and a total idiot. <laughs> oh, who uh, who who was the editor on this one? I was trying to say it was Mark Gascoigne. Oh Mark, we're sorry. Yes. Um but there there we go. I d I don't know what the confirmation is of this. Oh it's uh uh, oh, it's it's a letter from Paul Mason. Uh, it's on the internet archive. But there, there we go. We will have um, to uh, we'll have to touch base with uh, with with Paul at some point and um, see what uh, see what the new new work is that he's up to. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. So when um, when we are not being attacked by giant mudworms in the middle of the rice patties, uh, we uh, we hopefully um, get you know. Um, well, yeah, so you go along the road. The trouble is with this beginning is you have to go on the mud paddies to win. Mm. Um, so what you have to do, and I remember this from childhood because I must have played this way too much. First, you go along the road. Um, then you um, then you get ambushed by a sort of mercenary who's sort of wandering around on the road. Um, and, and since you are a teenager and you're leading a, a bunch of other children because... You're the one with the wooden sword, so you're the leader by default. Yeah, um, can I just point out, none of yeah, you start off with a group of companions, um, uh, yeah. and I don't believe that they die at the first opportunity. They don't. They don't die at the first opportunity. Which is they, normally what you get with fighting fancy ones. It is. That is a. That is a. It's a nice little. Um, it's a nice little sort of change. I mean. They they abandon you at the first opportunity, but they yeah. don't die. So. No, they they are not eaten by a giant crab. No, exactly. Yes, that is that that yeah. But uh, poor Mungo, he deserved better. I he think. did. He did. Yeah. Justice um, for Mungo. Yes, exactly. We need a we need a prequel where uh, mm. we, we find out all the adventures that Mungo actually did. Yes. So, yeah. Um. So, but yeah, so yes, your companions uh, just abandon you. I, um, I ran after them uh, into the paddies, um, and then I, one of my companions, sort of fell over, and then I tried to distract the companion, uh, sorry, distract the horseman uh, to save my companion, and then my horseman knocked me out uh, with a, um, yeah, the the horse sort of hits me on the head and knocks me out, and when I wake up, everyone's disappeared. So there we go. That, that's uh, that's the beginning. That's what you're supposed to do to get onto the rice paddies without fighting the skill twelve giant mudworm. Yeah, that's the good uh, the good start to the game. Yeah, yes, <laughs> you're you're lying in a pool of your own blood in a in a muddy rice field. Yay! So there you go. Yeah. Uh, right. So, yeah. So um, we uh, we got off to a to a fairly uh, fairly okay start, um, and I believe uh, did the same thing happen to yourself that um, that your character remembers um, that he has a distant uncle. Yes. yes. Exactly. Yes. So something odd happened to me here. I was told to record the word art on my sheet. 
Ah, yes. I have no now, idea why. Well, it is a normal code word. Mm -hmm. I um, I didn't record it. I think you are allowed to go back to the city where your uncle lives. And if you visit him again, then art, the art code word means that he says something different to you than before. But, but um, what is the context to the word art being the code word? I'm not sure. I there took is... it to kind of hint that your uncle was maybe an artist, but I don't think he is. No, I see. Uh, there's some. Well, there's something about the code words that uh, should we? Should I mention them now? Yes. Okay. Well, they do seem seemingly random because the first code word I got was the word king, mm. which I I got randomly because I. Uh, I turned up at a place and then decided to. Uh, I, that's it. I decided to walk past a city rather than go into it. That's that's where I got oh. the king code. So it seems really random, okay. But then, uh, I the other code words I got are offers. I got sword, uh, turn, and then two. And then I got a little maths quiz, and I was told to write down what my answer to the maths quiz quiz was. So. so it is so odd, um, and I missed I missed the first code word I was supposed to get because I lost a combat. But if you yes, so basically, if you get if you do the right path, you get a little message in your notes, which is um, which is very important. And yes, shall uh, I, I? Oh, I, there's there's so much there's there's so many <laughs> tricky things in this book. I mean, there's uh, there's something maybe I should mention it now, but it's towards the end, so maybe I should mention it towards the end. Yes, let's let's mention it towards okay. the end. Um, okay. Reel it back to uh, to you go to visit your uncle. Yes. Um, so you have um, you uh, you have I think it was your aunt who uh, gives you a bag of money, and uh, and your uncle tells you that you should train in the fighting arts. And I kind of picture that having done so, there is then a, a, a an 80s-style training montage. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, you're running up the steps, sort of, uh, oh, yeah, sort of going to a butcher's and eating some meat. Um, yeah, all of it. It's, it's brilliant. Um, well, yes, it's it's more like the karate kid. So did, oh, so the uncle tells you to do this fighting, training to fight at uh, the monastery. Mm. The, um, Yes, is it Bacow? Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Bacow, okay. Bacow, I'm not sure. Okay, yes. Um, which is actually the Chinese word for revenge. Ah. So, um, Monastery of revenge. Yeah. Um, this is so where yes. everyone goes to study the uh, the ancient art of revenge. Bruce Wayne trained there. Exactly, yes. Picking, picking a blue flower and everything. It's... Uh, Yes. I, I can't think of anyone else who, who trained there, but I'm sure there's sure there's many. Yes. Uh, oh, there's <laughs> a the uh, the guy from Hot Shots. He goes to a monastery at the beginning of the second film. Yes, but, that's uh, not a parody at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Well, yes. The, the 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 celibate monks who swore to celibacy like their fathers and their forefathers before them. That, yes. That monastery. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, yeah, how did uh, how did your adventure go from uh, from there? Um, so um, so I so I met my uncle and I travelled to Bacow Monastery, and then going up the mountain, I found an interesting monk character who looks suspiciously like someone who has appeared in other of Paul Mason's books, mm. and. Uh, he's got a very big grin, and he's sort of he's, his robe sort of um, hiding half his face, and he is a bit of a yeah he's a bit he's a bit strange. He doesn't really want to talk to you in a, as a sort of uh, it's a straightforward way. So I I bowed to him, and when he when I bowed to him, he asked me a riddle, which might give you an impression of who it is. Any big fighting fancy fans might, but maybe I should say who it might be although it's never explained if it you is. You have a theory. I have a, th I have a theory. It's the Riddling Reaver. Because mm. he's, he's always turning up in Paul Mason's books, sort of nudging the adventure along the right path. Yeah, he's, uh, if it is, he's definitely travelled far, hasn't he? Oh, he is. He gets about a bit. Oh, he's got a flying ship, so that's well, probably yes. why. 
Um, so yes, and he and he he decided it was important enough to sit on a mountain and pester you. As you do. Yeah, exactly. You know. Um, so he's he's doing more riddling than reading in this. So um, I, I I answer that the the um, he what asked the what's got roots. Yeah, the riddle. I say it's the, a mountain. What's got roots deep in the ground, but sort of goes into the clouds and. He sort of likes that and then lets me go, uh, which was nice of him. But uh, yeah, it, it, I appreciated the thing. I think if you if you try and kill him, you can fight him and kill him. But if you do, he just sort of gets up again and says, well done. And then and then you go on instead. So mm. he sees he's got sort of mystical powers. He's yeah. And he's not very, you know, monk like because you expect monks to be calm. But he's sort of cheeky and sort of, uh, yes. And a, and a bit strange, but uh, but there we go. He's, he's definitely a trickster type character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, a surprise cameo. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. Um, so yeah, so then I go to the monastery. Did, so did you make it to the monastery? I did. Oh, good. Yes. So uh, so yes. Yeah, so what 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 did you do? Because uh, you get lots of options in the monastery. Uh, I, uh, I I am looking at my uh, my notes. Um, my notes go a uh, go a little bit weird at this point. Um, just so the listeners know, it has been a few days since uh, since I played this one. I have written down: um, go to monastery, giant worm, one year later. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, was that because you had the silk code word? I think I had um, no. I don't think I had a silk code word. No. Oh, okay. I think. Uh, where does the giant worm turn? There up? was a giant worm. There was a giant worm. Do you yes. remember where there was a giant worm? I there was a kind of a giant worm on the path, and um, if you fight it with a spear, you get a bonus. Yeah. That's. Um, that's a giant worm. I can't remember if the giant worm. There might be a giant worm in the test that you take at the monastery. Mm. There was a um, there was a giant worm where we made camp on the uh, on the way up to the monastery. Ah, okay. Yeah. Ah, I must have taken a different path to you. Yes. Um, yes. So there is a giant. I didn't encounter the giant worm, but I do remember the giant worm from one of my many many playthroughs. Um, I think it can do some strange things to you if you get too close to it as well. It can uh, sort of hypnotize you, maybe. Or, it or... did hypnotize, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, ah, I, be I believe it may have. It uh, it did appear to transform into an old man. Oh, okay. Was it was it an old man with a sword? Um, it was an old man who uh, who very quickly uh, quickly left. And I just kind of presume that I told all of my companions uh, that there was an old man who's really a giant worm monster. Um, purely to cover up from the fact that I'd beaten up an old man to death in the middle of the night by mistake. Uh, well, fair enough. Um, uh, well, these It gets happen. dark at night. It does get dark at night, and you can't tell the difference between an old man and a... We didn't have any lanterns with us. Yes, that is true. You didn't take those. So you don't get the option of taking those with you. Um... um so yeah okay so ah so the giant worm attacks you so yeah that's oh, or the, you, you beat up a giant worm so uh, or an old man we hide the uh, we hide the evidence and then a year passes okay <laughs> yes well i say a year passes we're instructed to add one year yes mm. um and sometimes if you add a year you can increase your skill and stamina if you do something um if you do something sort of that would improve your skill and stamina, but not in this case. Yeah. Um, so yes. So and then, did you go to the city or the or the mountains? We went to the city. Oh, oh, Treol, the mm. capital city. Yes, it's quite open. This book, isn't it? There's quite as uh, it sort of it gives you free reign to sort of do do what do what you want. Okay. So um, your was... um, your travel went uh, went quite different from mine, didn't it? It did, because because when I passed the sort of riddling reaver disguised as a monk or, or just a cheeky monk mm -hmm. i i actually got to the monastery and um i told the the abbot dry jade i wanted to be a monk and he said uh okay uh, here's some red robes and then i um he asked me what what i'd like to do as a job so i decided to work in the kitchen i could either work in the kitchen the laundry or or clean the uh the monk sort of practice rooms makes sense and so yeah so 
so the the sort of training montage is a bit more like Karate Kid than Rocky. It's more like mm. waxing on, waxing off, um, which which it basically is. So I spend I spend two years working in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and and then um, I tell him I'd, I'd like to go, and then he says, "Well, would you like to do an important job for us before you go?" Oh. And yeah, and and then it gets a bit and then it gets a bit strange um, because um, I sort of I, I'm in a competition. I end up in a competition with against um, some other monks, and I meet another monk, and he has a white face. So he's he's from another sort of school of uh, sort of martial arts and uh, mm-hmm. another monastery. So I have to I have to fight him, um, which who I beat thanks to my um, thanks to my uh, gaining a skill point, and all, and also this is where the frosty comes in. Yeah, because my my frosty hit zero when I'm at the monastery. Ah, and because think, you have found inner peace. Exactly. I turn to two hundred, and I think, what's going to happen? I find inner peace and get to add two to my skill. <laughs> I like that. That really works. Oh, yes. that's very cool. It is because it, it's it's like it's very clever, Paul Mason. Because you start off on a quest for revenge, and you think it's going to be about growing up and finding the mercy and tra- training up and, and killing him but actually Paul Mason has decided that what you should do is sort of not let the revenge the quest for revenge cloud your mind mm. and actually letting go of it is the best thing to do and yeah and, and this is a theme in Paul Mason's book it's kind of the theme of if you sort of uh, become like the villains then you might as well have lost which um, other uh, which other ones did Paul Mason do just for uh, for the listeners Oh, so he did. He did Black Vein Prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, he did. He also did uh, the Slaves of the Abyss, mm-hmm. and he did Mage Hunter. Yeah. So um, yeah. So so they've all got very. So none of them have um, go and kill the bad guy themes. Uh, I mean, Black Vein Prophecy is the sort of the main one where if you kill your evil brother, then you become a ruler who's just as bad as he would have been yeah. or, your, or your father so they all have um, uh, their own very distinctive uh, distinctive styles and uh, and I'd, I'd say like unique feel to them yes exactly I mean yeah so sla- Slaves of the Abyss as well it's sort of um, well it's got a it's got, I don't want to spoil that ending it's brilliant but the, the winning ending is actually a very unique ending it is a unique ending and mm-hmm not the kind of ending you'd expect um that's not then, one that we've uh, that we're covering this year is it well i say no. this year this season no but uh, I'd, I'd like to get to it because it's yeah it's it's, it's brilliant um, we can uh, add it to the ticket for next year can't we next we season can. indeed yes and, and possibly well mage hunter is one of those 50 something ones that... see here in the uk we refer to a, a a season of a show as like a like a year yes yeah, in the, in the just, UK, to, just to clarify, like uh, for for our American audiences, it's normally because it takes a year for them to make the show. Yes, right. And then in the <laughs> UK, you get six episodes of it as well. Yeah, you yeah. don't. You don't get twenty-four. You like six episodes of of whatever happens. So, mm. uh, yeah, but um, yes, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about. It. We can talk about it next next season. Mm. Um, Paul Mayfans uh, got some very unique sort of things. He also wrote the Riv- Riddling Reaver role-playing game um, version as well. I have a copy of that. Ah, yes, it's yeah, it's pretty good, mm. and it's good. It, well, anything involving the Riddling Reaver, I love. I love a bit of trickster action because yeah. um, you never know what's going to happen. So, so did so, you yeah. uh, did you leave the monastery at any point? I I did eventually after fulfilling my quest, which is actually a journey to the centre of your mind. Um, you see a vision of your father, and uh, you give him your most. I gave him my most prized possession, which was my sword, but it, it didn't. I don't think it mattered which one I gave it to him. Um, I just had to underline it in my book, and then I had to go through some double doors, which um, sounds more difficult than it is more difficult than it sounds because if you push one, then um, then something different happens. But I I managed to get the right one. And then I found the object of the quest, which is a bowl. And I, um, yes, I sort of, I took the bowl and then I took it to Dry Jade and he smashed it on the ground. Oh. Because, because the true, because the true prize was in you all along. Oh. 
So there we go. That's the, uh, the the true purpose of our quest is the friendship that we made along the way. Exactly, exactly. That's uh, <laughs> that's the last message. Um, How old is your character at this point? Ah, uh, so I think my character is is fifteen at this point. Because uh, I learned all these all these vital lessons at such a young age. Exactly. Yes. So yeah, I feel very privileged. So uh, yes. So that, so that's what happened. And then I leave the monastery and continue my quest. To well, uh, I continue exploring because I don't, I don't really want revenge. But uh, I will I will carry on to see what happens. See, and I I wound up just uh, rocking into a uh, a town and getting into a big fight with some of the guards. Ah. Yeah. Did Did you survive the guards? Um. No. Oh. But I, the um, other... I did. Uh, I did replay it. Um, and I did survive the guards, and I managed to slay several of them. Oh, nice. And then 20 of his best friends jumped on me and dragged me off to jail. Ah. And a few days later they cut my head off because I was a public nuisance. Yes, killing people just generally get you labelled as a public nuisance. Yeah, I, I, I think on the whole you learned a whole lot more than I did. Yes. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like. I mean, yeah, I got I got to the monastery, so they those, those monks are pretty good teachers. Mm. In in you know in a very strange way, like the classic Mr Miyagi kind of way, like you spend two years sort of uh, working in the kitchen, and and then that applies, then you can do martial arts. So tell me of the uh, tell me of the rest of your journey. Okay, um, yeah, so brilliant. So then I I found the mercenaries. And they they're up to their old tricks. They're attacking some some innocent farmers. So I, I tried to distract the mercenaries so that the farmers could escape, but I, I couldn't, which was a which was a pain because uh, I'd like to try and do good. I didn't march into the mercenaries' camp. I didn't feel like I could do that. Um, but then I I found an old man with a golden sword, oh. and it's it's the sacred sword of of Sui, and he. And he gives it to me, and and he's giving it to me because it's like the symbol of of a rebellion and symbol of freedom. Um, is gold a good material to make swords out of? It is. It is not. Minecraft has told me it sort of um, it sort of wears out easily. And, They're quite and I, malleable, aren't? Isn't it? It God. is. It's a very soft metal. Yes. Um, yes. You would, Don't you make really swords mean. out of gold. No. Make jewelry out of gold. Make yes. anything out of gold, not swords. Um, well, th this one's enchanted, so it's it's probably stronger than the than your standard gold sword. Which makes you think how much stronger it would be if it was made out of iron. That that is true. Mm. That is very true. So yes. So whoever made that sword was was sort of not thinking very straight. <laughs> <'cause>, um... <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh the house is broken up now. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so, so, so when I'm not ragging on the golden swords, which is probably someone's precious relic or something. The important thing is it's a symbol, so yes. it works very well as a symbol. Yes. Because because then, um, yeah, because you don't have to actually, um, yeah. There's a bit where, which I completely missed, where when the rebels see the sword, they get they get inspired and sort of fight the dragon guards instead. Mm. But but I, I missed that bit. I sort of um, I ended up at the city where the rebels were because I was told to deliver this sword to the leader. Yes. Um, I, I missed him. I was unlucky. I did my one luck test and I got attacked by a drunk who who I there was no option to run away from, so I killed and it said I he deserved to be left in the gutter, which. Made me, which made me realise that my character definitely has several issues, um, Ooh, understandably. Yeah. Yes, because they, I mean, I'm sure um, if they're drunk, then and you ran away, they'd sort of forget about you. But yeah. yes, I mean, I mean, understandably, your character saw their father get killed at the age of 13. And yeah, probably left a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of psychological scars on them. Yes, exactly. So. Um, yeah. And, if you and had spent some more time with the monks, you might have been able to heal them, perhaps. Well, exactly. Um, well, I, I can't remember reading it, and maybe one of our listeners can confirm it, but I think Paul Mason wanted the spending the rest of your life 
with the monks to be the the successful ending. Mm. Um, I think the monks are like the closest thing to therapists you've got in this in this sort of fantasy world. But uh, I so. well, I expect the editors overturned that and said no, no, you've got to you've got to defeat the bad guy. Yeah. So there we go. So um, is that how the uh, how the adventure ended? Jumpers jumpers to the conclusion. Right. Well. Um, I go to, I, I meet uh, a diplomat from Hachiman who gives me, who says that she was turned away at the palace and you, you sort of get the impression through the book that um, there's there's something going on. There are rebels, there's discontent across the country and mm. the diplomat's been turned away. But she gives me a sort of, a sort of a wooden sort of thing with um, writing on to let me into the palace, the king's palace, King Mayo's palace. So I get to go in. And I tell Mayor about all the tr troubles in the country, that there's mercenaries attacking innocent villagers, and there's rebels, and there's dragon guards out of control. Basically and cutting an entire crimson tide across the country, you could say. Exactly. Title drop. That's mm. the name of the book. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so Mayor's very uh, upset about this because he's not heard any of this. And so he wants me to be the... Um, be sort of sort of eyes and ears in the in the country and sort of and, and sort of his, his top enforcer. Oh, and also I, I meet Mayo's um, a character from uh, Black Bane Prophecy, Mersey, who is a sort of Mayo's right hand man. He's the Grand Councillor of the Isles, who who lets me pass because I'm wearing red robes like him, yeah. which is good because he's like a martial arts master and would have killed me otherwise. Um, so yeah, so the king offers me the sword. And he's got his advisor Pantu there, and then it gets a bit funny because it says, "Do you take the sword and swear loyalty? Do you um, do you sort of uh, say you're not worthy, or do you do something else?" And then it says, "Or there might be something else you want to do." Oh. And I get a bit confused about this, and then I realise that's what the notes are telling me, and it says, "King offers sword, turn to." Um, turn to a section which is the section that i the number i've written down when this sort ah. of um person on the street asked me a question a maths question and so instead of turning so the keywords are laying out an instruction for you they are it is very clever um that is so real oh wow that is really smart it is really smart and mm. and yes um and so i turn to that section and then sort of pan to the uh, advisor turns into a big snake monster and looks like he's about to kill Mayor. And I use my golden sword to cut his head off. And and then Mayor realizes that Pantu was sort of corrupting him and and stopping him from seeing what the problem is in the country. Oh, and once then... more, an evil advisor. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it makes I you don't... think why they hire advisors. Exactly. It's like. It's like it's like if you put an advert out for an advisor, it's just asking for evil wizards. And, and they strange... all turn into serpents. Exactly. It's like it's like I'm I'm looking at Lord of the Rings with Theoden and and Wormtongue. I'm now looking at like yeah. Aladdin with Jafar. It's, it's like if yeah. you have an advisor to the king, they're going to turn into a snake or 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 at least have the name of a snake, and will probably be horribly horribly evil. Yes, exactly. So the moral of this story is if you if you ever become a monarch, don't have any advisors. Yes, go entirely uh, off your own own uh, own volition. Just just like make a Twitter account and just scream into the void. It will always work out well for you. Exactly. I'm sure. I'm sure. If I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure any country that has a, a leader like that is is probably um, experiencing. It's probably a utopia. Absolutely. So, oh dear. <laughs> so you have uh, you have rescued the uh, the monarch. Yes, I rescue the monarch, and then he offers me. There's one final choice, and he says, "Do I want to rescue my mother or avenge my father?" And then I remember it's a Paul Mason book, and that I shouldn't be violent and and stoop to the level of the villains. So I decide to rescue my mother. So. He, um, he he takes me on a camping trip. We go travelling across the country together. So me and the king just go on a little trip together, which he quite enjoys because he, you know, he did it when he woke up out of the tomb, and he probably yeah. quite likes the open air after spending his entire life stuck in a tomb asleep um, for sort of several years. 
Um, and then, so he, he rescued my mother because he says that children and mothers are always um, connected in some way. So he follows the connection with magic because he can do magic. And then he, he finds the mercenary leader. Oh, there's one more choice. And he makes the mercenary leader sort of hypnotized. And then do you take your golden sword and strike him down? Or do you let him show him mercy? And it's because it's a Paul Mason book. I do not strike him down with all my hatred. I uh, show him mercy. Awesome. And then he, yes, he takes off the demon mask and it burns up. And the person be, below the demon mask has a face that's similar to mine. Uh, which I think should be used more in in sort of media pop culture, um, because I think it's a good a good a good thing. I, can't, I yes. If if there's any other situation where there's uh, someone fights a villain who's got a and you take off their mask and the face is the same as the hero, then then their listeners should leave a comment. Um, can't think of any off the top of my head. I no none none at all none, none. I, I I cannot think of any. Yeah um yes didn't Luke Luke Skywalker do it several times. Yes. yes. Maybe, yeah. Maybe in a, <laughs> maybe in a cave in Dagobah. Yeah. yeah. Um, it it is then, uh, it is uh, it is quite quite often used, but um, I think it's it's very effective. It is. Yes. Mm. I mean, it's it's very Paul Mason because Paul Mason saying you could just as easily be as bad as this person, but yeah. uh, but well, in this case, you didn't. And then Mayor makes you the the eyes and ears of the God King. And then he he lets you have free reign of the land, um, and gives you official sanction to wander the land and murder anyone you like because Yay. you're still a... wait. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. Because <laughs> well, because because you're a teenager with, with PTSD. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's, that's that's okay. Well, well, never mind that. <laughs> yeah. So um, what did uh, what did we think? Uh, shall we? Uh, shall we give uh, give marks out of ten? Oh yeah! Oh yes! yes. Can I can I reveal what the Paul Mason's final cunning trap? Yes. Okay, so um, the bit where the king offers you the golden sword and asks you if you want to swear loyalty to him, um, there the bit where you don't turn to the secret section. One of them is is turning to four hundred. If you swear loyalty, and he says Ooh. turn to four hundred. Ah. <laughs> But then, so Pantu then takes you away, and you think, oh, I'm 400, I've won. Yeah. But then Pantu takes you away and drops you in a pit to starve to death. That's so naughty. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I really like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I, yeah, Paul Mason pulled out all the stops for his evil traps. I am, Actually, I'm giving this one a very, very high score, I think. Yes, I think so too. Uh, yes, I think yeah. Just yeah. What final hint? If if Paul Mason turn, tells you to turn to four hundred, then don't. Um, <laughs> basically. Um, right. What are we? Then, what are we rating? Um, out of uh, uh, golden swords. Yes. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it four and a half golden swords for all its innovation. Oh, is this out of five? Yes, it is out of uh, five. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I will give it four, four, four lovely goldens. No, let's let's make it four and a half. Oh, yes, mm. yes. Well, yes, it's very innovative and brilliant. Yes, there's loads of innovation in it, and uh, yeah. I do like this. This is this is lovely. Um, so that gives us what nine out of ten. Yeah, nine out of ten. Nine out of ten golden swords between us. Uh, for the uh, for the Crimson Tide, that is awesome. Yes, that is awesome. Yes, excellent. Yeah. Even uh, though I, I I did not do well at it at all, but there is always next time because you can always start at paragraph one. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So. And which game which which game book are we starting at paragraph one on next week? Next week, yes, is, is one of your choices. It's Return to Firetop Mountain. Yes. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, yes. Return to Firetop Mountain. Ah, I have been wanting to return to Return to Firetop Mountain for quite a while. <laughs> yes. I think I think it's appropriate because we're... Because this was written for the tenth year anniversary, was it? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And this is a and this is the fortieth year, so this is like a book a, number a fifty. Book number fifty, yes. Yeah. So and it's a multiple now. of ten mm. anniversary. So yes. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Yes. Oh, uh, lovely. So um, we hope that uh, all of our listeners will um, 
will return to Firetop Mountain with us at the same time next week. Yeah. Stuart, would you like to um, to tell anyone anything else that you've been working on lately? Yes, I would. I um, yes, please. I've, I've I finally finished a book that I started in 2011 for the Windhammer competition. It's called Rulers of the Now, and you can get it for pay what you want on Itch or Drive Through. And um, yes, well, as of recording, I'm in the middle of doing the Lindenbaum competition. If you if you hear this, it might be over, but the books that have entered will be online. So keep an eye out on the blog. There'll be 16 books, 16 game books to look at. So, so uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Rules of the Now, which is available now. It is available now. Yes, mm -hmm. it's um, it's uh, it's it's a dystopian black comedy near future cli-fi um, game book. I I've run out of descriptors for it. So yes, it's <laughs> it's 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 set in 2041, and you are a lowly uh, bureaucrat for an insurance company. And one day you get home and find that you can't get in your home because <clears throat> all of your money has been taken and all of your identity has been erased and the government has declared you a terrorist and mm. you have to work out why because you, you haven't done anything that uh, makes you a terrorist. But uh, And that's where it starts. Yeah. So it starts on a downer and probably gets worse from there. So, so everyone, yeah. check out Rulers of the Now by Stuart Lloyd, available now. Um, yes. I am Alison Seib, and I have been writing a uh, tabletop roleplay game of uh, Vikings and post-cyberpunk action called Shield Maidens. Check it out. Um, it should be uh, on Kickstarter sometime fairly shortly, um, if not right now. Uh, so, we will be looking forward to you joining us again same time next week for Return to Firetop Mountain. Stuart, say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Firetop Mountain is brought to you by our Patreon supporters Malachite Idol, Zach Rules, Billy Holder, Spike Murphy, Dawn Upson, Alexandru Bugatti, Snyder's Return. Support us on our Patreon and may your stamina never fail.